open our Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. Genesis, chapter 37, if you will. And we already have given you 11 of these statements wherein Joseph is a type of Jesus. And if any of you need those references that we've already given, well, just let me know. If you've missed any of them, well, just let me know and we'll give you that because we can do that readily. But we have a... Our next one is number 12, and you'll look in Genesis 37, verse, verse 12 and 13, and the statement here is, Joseph is sent forth by his father. Number 12, Joseph is sent forth by his father. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. He was ready to go. Here am I. He was willing to be sent. And, of course, we go on to the next statement, and we find he's sent forth in a certain place. But let's notice those two verses. And the topic is that Joseph was sent forth by his father. Now, then, we know Jesus was sent forth. First John chapter 4 and verse 10. We'll give you some references. First John chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So we know that Christ was sent into the world, and he was sent for a specific pur purpose, to be the propitiation for our sins. Hebrews chapter 10, if you will, and verse 7, and it says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. So Christ was not only sent to be the propitiation for our sins, but he was sent to do the will of God, not only uh, to minister and to uh, preach, but especially he was sent to do the will of God in laying down his life for us on the cross of Calvary, because this was the finished will of God. And he said in many times, I have, come, I have come to do the will of him that sent me. And he said, this is the Father's will, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Look in John chapter 6, if you will, there's several verses here that show us that Jesus came into the world and that he was sent into the world. We have a double thought here. He came into the world and he was sent into the world. In John 6, verse 33, let's notice what it says here. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven. The bread of God is not it, but he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us of this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. By the way, when Jesus was sent into the world, many did not believe him either, did they? And we'll get into that. It's another point in our type that we'll have in a little bit. But he says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will. Now notice that sent me. This is the Father's will which has sent me. We said he was sent by the Father. Joseph was sent by the Father, by Israel. This is the will of him which has sent me. You might underline, sent me, or has sent me. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Verse 40, and this is the will of him that sent me. You see, you have it again. That everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up again, raise him up at the last day. By the way, this statement, beginning with verse 39, Raise him up again at the last day. You find it in verse 39, verse 40. Uh, you have it on down in uh, verse uh, 40, 
4, and I believe it'll drop down some more. I think you have it in verse uh, 54. So you have it time and time again. It's like a refrain that's over and over in the 6th of John. It tells us that all that believe on him, he says, I will raise him up again at the last day. So it speaks not only of salvation, but of resurrection, complete and total. All right, let's go back where we're studying. Uh, we read verse 40, didn't we? Yes. Verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he said, I came uh, down from heaven? And so on and so forth. Let's see if we can find the word sent anymore. Anyway, we have given you enough already in this 6th of John that shows that he was sent into the world. That's the point we wanted to make. All right, back in, hold your place in Genesis 37. So we've seen that Joseph is sent forth by his father. That's verse 13, I mean 12 and 13. Now verse 14, we find something else. We find that Joseph seeks the welfare of his brethren. That's number 14. I mean number 13. Number 13, but it's in verse 14. Joseph seeks the welfare of his brethren. Now look in verse 14. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Did not Jesus come to seek the welfare of his brethren? We're going to find how his brethren reacted in a little bit, but let's just nail down the fact that he came to seek the welfare of his brethren. John 1 verse 11 says, He came unto his own, right? And his own received him not. That would be like Joseph's brethren, too. They didn't receive him. That's another point in our message. John 1, 11, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Look in Matthew 15, verse 24, when he came to seek the welfare of his brethren. Matthew, did I say 15 and verse 24? If I can find it quickly. Notice what it says here. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep, of the house of Israel. The, the main purpose, you know the Bible says, he came unto his own, his own received him not. He says, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Bible says that the gospel is to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, also to the Greek. In fact, that's the order in the book of Acts where the gospel is preached first to his own. Uh, Paul said, and Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles and yet Paul, Paul preached first to the Jews. He said, when the Jews would not hear him, he said, seeing you count yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Even though Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, he still gave the Jews the privilege of having the first, first chance and first opportunity of salvation. If you read uh, in Romans chapter 1, he says, I'm not a... Ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. He says, "I'm debtor both to the uh, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise." And he tells that he gives the Jews the first chance. In uh, one verse sixteen, he says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth." Believe it to the Jew first, the last part of one sixteen, Romans one sixteen, and also to the Greek. So Paul puts the Jew first. He puts Israel first. 
Romans 15, verse 8. Look at this one. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. You see here in the order in the book of Romans, 15, verse 8. He was a minister of the circumcision, that's the Jews, for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and then verse 9 says, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Even in those two verses of Scripture, you'll find the order is the same. All right, let me give you another reference. Uh, John 3, verse 17. John 3, verse 17. And we're talking about Christ being sent into the world. And of course, we know that He is to seek the welfare of His brethren, and He's to seek the welfare of all who will believe, and this extends on out to others. Verse 17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. They already were under the law of condemnation. But that the world through Him might be saved. That would include both Jews and Gentiles. Alright. Genesis 37. You still have your place? We've dealt with verse uh, 14. Now then, we have another point in verse 14. It tells us where he went. Let's read the whole of it. The last part of it tells us something special. And we'll read verse 14 again because we have another point to make there. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks. And bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron and he came to Shechem. Joseph was sent forth from the from the vale of Hebron. And he came to Shechem. This, the word Hebron means fellowship or communion. And we find that Joseph was sent forth from this place of fellowship and communion. You might say, well, what does this have with Jesus? You know, Jesus had fellowship with the Father. And he was sent from heaven, the place of fellowship and communion with the Father. He said, Father, glorify thy Son with the glory which he had with thee before the world was. And then I want you to get number 15. Number 15 is this. And you find it uh, also in the same verse. Joseph came to Shechem. Last part of verse 14. He came to Shechem. Now, Shechem means shoulder. And it means burden bearing as well. Let me give you three references. First of all, in Genesis 49, verse 15. 49 and verse 15. Notice what it says here. And it was talking about Issachar and his name. And he saw that the that rest was good and the land that it was pleasant and bowed his shoulder to bear and became a servant and to tribute. Jesus became a servant. He bore the burden of our sins upon his shoulders. In fact, the Bible tells us 
in two New Testament references, Philippians 2 and Galatians 4. Philippians 2, 6 and 7. Let's look at this. Verse 6 and 7, it says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but now look, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, or a burden bearer, and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus was a servant, and he took our burdens upon himself, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Look in Galatians 4, verse 4. Galatians chapter 4, and verse 4. It says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So He bore the burden of our sins, and even all the way to the cross of Calvary. Let me give you the next one, number 16. You find it in verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16, we'll read. And it's the title of this typical statement is that Joseph now became a wanderer in the field. Joseph now became a wanderer in the field. Let's read verse 15 and 16. And a certain man found... Him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. A wanderer in the field. Now, in the field in the New Testament, if you turn to Matthew chapter 13, you'll find that the field is typical of the world. Where the, in the tares, the parable of the tares, Matthew 13, verse 38. Let's see how Jesus was a wanderer in the field. Matthew chapter 13, notice verse 38, what he says. He says, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. So when he talks about sowing, where do you sow? He says, in the, the field is the world. So we're to preach the gospel to the world. And the devil comes along in this parable and sows tares among the wheat. It says, the, the uh, let me read the rest of it. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, and the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. And he goes on in that parable to show us. But the main point I wanted to make is that Jesus was in this world, in this field of this world, wandering in the field. I want you to look at John 7, 53 and, and then John 8, 1. The two verses close together. The last verse of, of chapter 7, the first verse of chapter 8 in the Gospel of John. Let's read. Let's read verse 52 and 53 in the 7th. It says, They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And look in verse 53. And every man went unto his own house. Now chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went out into the Mount of Olives. Man has a house. Men had houses to go to. 
But where did Jesus abide most of the time? In the open. Jesus, it says, went, out, went into the Mount of Olives. Remember one time Jesus said, listen carefully, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not, what? Where to lay his head. We might say basically, when he entered his public ministry, he was homeless, that he wandered from place to place. His disciples followed him. Sometimes he would stop and see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he was invited to their house. But he says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So, uh, not only did Joseph become a wanderer in the field, but Jesus became a wanderer in the field of this world. The next thing I want you to look is verse 17. And this is, Joseph seeks until he finds his brethren. Look at verse 17. And the man said, They are departed hence. For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Dothan signifies law or custom. By the way, that's where he found them. In their law and in their customs. He seeks to, till he finds his brethren. You know, Jesus never gives up. In fact, any lost sheep, not only his brethren, but any lost ones, if you turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Turn there quickly and we'll give you something in the first verses. It's a threefold parable, but let's take the first part. Luke 15. Did I give you that proper reference? Verse 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Now the Pharisees and scribes, they had refused him, but the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost, until he find it? Look at that. Until he find it. Jesus is the seeker till he finds. Doesn't give up. You and I, we make an attempt. But Jesus keeps on. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I have a sermon there I've started to preach a time or two on the parable here of the lost sheep. And I have three things. You might want to underline them. Verse 4, it says, Until he find it. Verse 5, And when he hath found it. And verse 6, and when he cometh home. Three things. Until he find it, and when he hath found it, and then verse 6, and when he cometh home. There are three different spheres of this seeking of the lost sheep. Alright. Back in Genesis chapter 37. Let me give you something in verse 18. Verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, this is his brethren, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to slay him. So the next point is number 18. And by the way, it's in verse 18. It worked out okay on the numbers this time. And it is Joseph is conspired against. 
18th statement of the type, Joseph is conspired against. Was Jesus Jesus conspired against? Now that's number 18, verse 18, and it's number 18 of the types we've been giving you. Joseph conspired against. 37 verse 18. They conspired against him to slay him. Look in Matthew 12 verse 14. We'll give you a reference here. Matthew 12 verse 14. It says in verse 14, Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. So they conspired together. They held a council how they might destroy him. You know, Jesus had a lot of ups and downs in life, didn't he? In coming to save his own, and then coming to save all, he met with all kinds of problems and opposition. They wouldn't believe his words. They wouldn't believe his works. They wouldn't believe in him. And yet occasionally you'd find those that wanted to follow him. And that's what he's looking for today. You'll find the... the, General society is the same today concerning Christ. You find multitudes that don't want to have anything to do with it. You find some that just haven't heard. You find others that when they hear, if God moves upon their heart, they'll believe. And that's human nature. And so it's within our being to either accept Christ or to what? Reject. And many people reject unto this very day. And all we can do is pray for them. So we find he is conspired against. The next one is number 19. And you'll find that in verses 19 and 20. Hold your place in Genesis 37. This is the 19th one of these things. Joseph's words were disbelieved. Look at verse 19. And they said one to another, Behold this dreamer. Verse 20. Come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Remember, he told them of his dreams. So his words were disbelieved. His dreams were disbelieved. Was Christ disbelieved? John 3 verse 18 says, He that believeth not is condemned already. Listen, John 3:18, Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That's 3 verse 36. You could go through Matthew 27 and you could find in the 27th chapter of Matthew's Gospel time and time again where Jesus was disbelieved. And I won't take time to point out all the places. They said, if thou, even when he is on the cross, they said, if thou be the Son of God, if he be the King of Israel, if he be the Son of God, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. 
They wouldn't believe him before, but they said now if he'll come down from the cross. That's Matthew 27, as I say, you could just read all through it. But verse 42 says, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, see, they said if he be, let him now come down from the cross. And we will believe him. He trusts in in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. They didn't believe he was the son of God. It says in verse 39, they reviled him. And there are many, many verses, but if you want to go through the 27th of Matthew, you'll find many of these thoughts that we're pointing out. Now then, the next point, Genesis 37, hold your place there, we find is in verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. We find here that Joseph, this is number 20, Joseph is insulted. Isn't it, wouldn't it be a terrible insult for him to be taken by his brethren and stripped of his coat of many colors? This was his, we've already said that this coat of many colors indicated uh, a person of distinction, a mark of distinction. We had that in the sixth one of, of these uh, lessons. Number 6, 37 verse 3, where he had a coat of many colors. And it was a mark of distinction. And now they're taking all this mark of distinction away from him. So, he is insulted by it. Naturally would be. Let's notice the insults that are placed upon Jesus. I'll give you three references. There's one in Matthew and a couple in John. Well, one in John. But one in Matthew and one in John. Matthew 27, verse 27 28. Matthew 27, verse 27 28. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. They begin to mock. They took his own clothing off. They stripped him and put on him a scarlet or purple robe, it says in other places. Scarlet robe. And they begin to mock him. And They said, when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. He was insulted. And look in John's Gospel, chapter 19, if you will. John 19, and verse 23. Notice what it says here. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rent it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture did they cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. They gambled for his coat, cast lots for his vesture. So he's insulted. Now back to Genesis 37. I want you to look at verse 24. 
And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. Joseph is cast into a pit. How does this affect Jesus in his death? Let's look at two references. One in Zechariah 9 verse 11, the other in Matthew 12 40. Zechariah 9 verse 11. Zechariah and Malachi. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 11 says this, And for thee also by the blood of my covenant I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water. Here was those that were sent out of a pit wherein is no water. Now what would that have to do with Jesus? Look in Matthew 12, verse 40. Matthew 12, verse 40. Notice what it says here. It says, uh, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. Jesus would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew 12.40 was the last reference. But then, what does it have to do with the fact that in the pit there was no water? Hold back place in Genesis 37.24. That means simply that they would not have to stay in that pit. Joseph would not have to stay in that pit because he would be resurrected out of it taken out of the pit, and Jesus would be resurrected from out of the the death that he would suffer after three days. And the Bible says after three days he will rise again. And that brings us to the next point. You have Genesis 37. Look at it. Verse 28. Well, let's read on down to verse 28 because we don't want to miss the story even though we're giving you points. But we get another one in verse 28 and we'll see what it is when we get there. Let's continue to read in verse 25. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Now then, verse 28. What do you see here? Joseph was taken out of the pit alive in his body. Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Notice what happened here. He came up out of the pit, didn't he? And we said Joseph was taken out of the pit, alive in his body. We know that Jesus was resurrected out of the grave. Alive in his body. And the disciples, the apostles saw him after his resurrection. The Bible says he did eat 
and drink with them after the resurrection. He had a resurrected body. He could enter into closed doors, into a place where the doors were not opened. And yet, in the midst of all of it, we know that He was still that same Jesus that was crucified. And He says, Behold my hands and my feet. Notice the next point of the message. In verse 27. And we got verse 28 first, but let's take verse 27 now and get another thought. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And we find Joseph's brethren mingle hypocrisy with their hatred. They want to sell him away to the Ishmaelites. Was not Jesus sold in John 18 verse 28 through 31? John 18. Look at that passage. Let's see if I have the right reference. Maybe I just copied them down wrong. But John 18. Let's look at this. Begin with verse 3. It says, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he, and Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with him. And as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. And then we find, of course, he was betrayed into the hands of, uh, of sinners. I don't see the verse that I'm looking for. But we know that he was sold in Matthew chapter 27. We'll find that he was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Let's turn to Matthew's Gospel and we'll get a better reference than I gave you. Matthew 27. Let's look at verse 3 and then we'll skip on down and read the other verses. It says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. We'll read on down. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them in the treasury because it is price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Now the verse, third, uh, verse 9 is what I want you to see. It says, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took thirty pieces, the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. So he was sold for 30 pieces of silver when he was taken up out of the pit. By the way, I've given you a lesson on that, that this was the price of a slave, this was the price of an outcast, and this was the price of a rejected shepherd, 30 pieces of silver. And we I don't know if you remember that, but we gave you the price of a common slave that he was sold for. 
Look in Exodus 21, verse 32. Exodus 21, verse 32. If the ox shall push a manservant or maidservant, in other words, kill him with his horns, he shall give unto their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. This is a servant. Drop back to verse 28, and I'll give you this lesson, and then we'll close. Verse 28 says, If an ox gore a man or a woman, that they die, then the ox shall be surely stoned, and his flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be quit. But if the ox were wont to push with his horn in time past, and it hath been testified to his owner, and he hath not kept him in, but that he hath killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and his owner also shall be put to death. Now look. Verse 30, If there be laid on him a sum of money, then he shall give the ransom of, of his life whatsoever is laid upon him. In other words, an ordinary person of society, if this ox has been known to kill someone in time past or to push with his horns, and he killed a man or a woman, then the... the there would be a price laid upon. There would be a ransom paid to the family for the death of that person. But then notice the difference. It says, Whether he have gored a son or have gored a daughter, according to this judgment, shall it be. But now in verse 32 is the point I wanted to make a minute ago. If the ox shall push a man's servant or a maid servant, what will happen? He shall give unto their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. In other words, this was the price, the ransom that was charged for a servant, a bond servant. Thirty pieces of silver. So Jesus was sold for the same price as a slave. That's the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value. And then we have another lesson on that. We can't go into it tonight, but we said it's the, not only the price of a, of a slave, but the, Jesus was sold for the price of an outcast. You find that in the book of Hosea. And then the price of a rejected shepherd you'll find in the book of Zechariah. And we'll give you those later on if you'd like them. So I think we've gone as far as we can go to, tonight. So the last statement we gave you is that Joseph's brethren mingled hypocrisy with their hatred, and furthermore, he is sold to the Ishmaelites. I don't think we gave you that statement, but in verse 35 and 36, the 24th, that he is sold, Joseph is sold to the Ishmaelites. That's the 24th of these things that show us the type. There are 65 things. We're down to about 24. 65 things wherein Joseph is a type of Christ. In fact, some have said there's around 100 that you can find if you seek enough. But I'll give you basically 65 that's very pertinent and easy to, to see. Thank you for your patience, your kind attention.